Starting off the new year, and I'm going to continue on in this series as we're talking about how to build for the future. I mean, you know, the new year has so many things that go on that we need to begin to set the foundation and begin to figure out like what God is doing and why it is happening and how we move forward in this life. Now, for me, the problem really started about seven years ago. About seven years ago now, Kelsey and I were down here on vacation. We were visiting and we were checking out Sarasota and we were with family and all of these things. And if you know anything about our story is that Kelsey and I said that we would never return to Florida ever, like at all. We did not want to come back. Kelsey and I are both born and raised here. And so it was like Florida was off the map. And so we came down on this vacation and we're with our families and we're having a great time. And while we were down here, God really began to stir my heart. Like in a way that I really didn't expect that God was going to do something new in our future. And I I didn't know what that was. I didn't know how God was going to do it, but God began to put a vision in my heart to plant a church and to plant a church here in Sarasota. And what God began to do is as I was here and I was thinking about it, Man, when I thought about people who were hurting, when people who were far from God, when people who were, were lost and, and struggling, man, it wasn't just this like kind of blurred vision of people. It was faces. Like there were people that I knew in my life that, that were far from the Lord and were struggling and all of these things were going on. And so this burden in my heart began to be that this idea that we would plant a church where people would really come to a place where they know the God who deeply loves them. That, that they would begin to know that, that they would experience God and that they would be truly known and that they would know others. Like we would be in real community. And that idea of real community has never been more, more needed than ever before after COVID. Like we have this moment where we see that we really need community in them. God put on my heart that this idea of we wanted to be a place where people were healed and then would help heal others. That we would all be on this mission for God and what was going on in this life. And so, man, I, I got excited and man, I got jazzed up. And I don't know if you've ever had like vision or a call on your life. Man, you, you want to tell everybody about it. And so Kelsey and I, I didn't say anything while we were on the trip. But when we flew back from Clearwater all the way back to Roanoke, we we would always take this drive from Roanoke to Lynchburg. And during that drive, I looked over at Kelsey and I said, hey, I have this like weird question. Answer however you feel led. Just answer, okay? But do you at all feel called to go back home to plant a church? And I'd never gotten an answer so fast in my life. It was immediately, no, like, no. And I was like, oh, I think I might have eaten something weird last night. Like I just, something happened. Maybe I got like, I got sun poisoning, right? I was out in the sun too much. And so I got delirious and somehow I thought I heard the will of God. And so I got really confused and really scared. And like, man, I didn't know what was going on. And, and so that night I remember I was praying because it kind of threw me for a loop, right? Like I felt like I knew the will of God for my life. I felt like I knew what was going on, but I never want to be the husband or dad that drags their family to places that they don't feel called to go. So I was like, hey, God, if this is a call on me, this is a call on us. 
and I need to see some confirmation. And so here's the deal, God. I, I, you know, I, I, so, sometimes I'm like, why didn't God just strike me with lightning that day? But what happened was I said, hey, God, I'm not going to talk to Kelsey about this anymore. I'm not. I'm not going to talk to her about it at all. You're going to have to do the work. And if you do the work, because I, I don't want to manipulate this situation. Because, man, if, if she's not called, then there's going to be chaos when we get down there. And we were called, and there was still chaos. But what happened was, for six months, Kelsey and I didn't talk about it. And then all of a sudden, I started getting calls from these churches all around the country. I mean, like, all around the country, like Arkansas. I had Florida calling, Massachusetts. We were looking at Georgia. One church was offering us a package where we got a whole house. This builder was going to give us a house. And I was like, oh, man, man, this is crazy. And here's what's going on. And, and we started to feel kind of like, what, what's happening? And so fast forward six months later, Kelsey and I are back down here. We're in Orlando with our family. We're visiting. And, you know, I, I, we're just having a really good time. And we fly back to Roanoke. And on that same 45-minute drive, Roanoke to Lynchburg, Kelsey looks at me while we're driving the car and she turns and she says, hey, do you feel like we're called to go back home to plant a church? And I said, yes, I don't know how and I don't know when, but yes, our yes is on the table. And see what happened in that moment is like we had this confirmation of the call, but then like all of this confusion began to come in. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Like you felt like I'm supposed to do something for God. Like I'm 100% like on it. And then like the world flips upside down, right? Like it, it goes crazy and all of these things like in opportunities come and, and all of these things begin to distract us in this moment. Well, what happened was is the problem was is, man, I got bit by the church planning bug and I got bit by this vision and I didn't understand how to see through all this stuff. And so what happened was, is Kelsey and I, you know, everyone wants to make everything so spiritual. Like we're, you know, you planted a church, you must be spiritual. No, man, we're just obedient. And God just took us because the reality is, is like the way we got out of Lynchburg and finally moved down here was that I lost like 65% of my income in one day. So we couldn't survive there anymore. So it's not like God was like, here, here's a ramp. We're going to just take you down. Uh, you know, it was the Tower of Terror is how I would describe it. We were up here and we fell, right? God was like, see ya, Poof, right? <laughs> but man, what happened was, is it was here that I began to learn to discern the will of God. And I began to learn how to follow it. And so today, if we're going to build for the future, today's message is entitled, how to, how to find and follow the will of God in your life. Let me just tell you something. It's not a secret. God is, is not playing hide and seek with his will in your life. We just have to learn to see it and to find it. And some of us have very like, all of us have the same call in here, by the way, guys. We are sons and daughters of the king, and we're supposed to tell the world about the king. That's what we're doing. We're ambassadors to this world telling people about Jesus Christ. Now, we're all on the same boat. We're all on the same bus. Whatever analogy you want to do, the question is, what seat do you have? That's it. Like, we're in the game. We're in the family business, okay? We got adopted, and now we're about family work. And that family work is about telling everybody about our Heavenly Father. And so, the problem was, for me and for Kelsey, is there's not a book in the Bible that goes 10 steps to plant a church. 
10 steps to find God's will for your life, 10 steps to do all of these things. And, and we can make finding God's will in your life super easy. Like we can start to weigh things and go, man, that this is easy. And so the very first thing that you and I need to do, if we're going to find God's will in our life, is we're going to need to learn to define the vision. So today, what we're going to see is this story out of 2 Chronicles chapter 29. I'm sure you're all super familiar with 2 Chronicles. And, um, and so we're going to be in 2 Chronicles. Now, I do want to encourage you with this. If the Old Testament is something that's tough for you, I would really encourage you to go read First and 2 Chronicles. They're actually one book, but they were too big to fit on one scroll, so they cut it in half, and it's First and 2 Chronicles. It's just one book. But here's what it is. It's like a Cliff Notes version of the story of the Old Testament. So like if you want to get like a 10,000 foot view of what's going on in the Old Testament and where all of these things place in here, First and Second Chronicles, okay? And so we're going to be in that story and this king named Hezekiah gets this call by God for his life. He, he knows God's will for his life, but man, how he goes about getting that done can be a blueprint for you and I on how to do that, right? Does anybody in here want to know not just what God's will is for you, but how to get there? And so what happens in this story is, here's what's going on. There's this king before Hezekiah named Ahaz, not a good dude, okay? He shut the temple so the people of Israel couldn't worship. They're in captivity. There are people coming to get them. They, he actually sells off part of the temple. He puts unconsecrated things in the temple. It's a mess. And the people of Israel are suffering because of it. So Hezekiah comes in and immediately on day one, he's facing a whole bunch of stuff. Hezekiah goes, man, I know what God wants me to do. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse three. This is where the story begins. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he got to work, okay? He, being Hezekiah, opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Here's what Hezekiah knew. God's will for us as me as king in this moment is we need to reopen the house of God. We need to create a space and a place for the people to experience God, to know the God who loves them, to find community and to be healed and to help heal others. Hezekiah's call is not so different from our own. We're all part of building this kingdom. And so Hezekiah's job on the bus was, hey, I'm gonna lead the charge. That's what I'm going to do. And so if you are going to begin to define and, and figure out the will of God for your life, there's some ways to help you, okay? The very first thing is this, is what you are being called to do bigger than you and you can't accomplish it on your own. Let me just tell you, God does not call us to things that we can do on our own. Why? Because why do you need him? And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that without faith, is it impossible to please God? So God's going to call you and I to faith moments. And man, that faith moment might be like, I wonder if my kid's ever going to come back to church. That faith moment might be like, man, I wonder if I'll ever trust people enough to open up again. Man, that faith moment might be, you need to volunteer. That faith moment might be like, you got to join the church. That faith moment might be, you need to start giving. That faith moment might be, you need to seek reconciliation with your spouse. I don't know what that faith moment is. It doesn't have to be building a physical church. But God has called you to some kind of crazy, awesome, cool, scary work in this kingdom. Right? Because we don't live in a safe little environment. That's not Christianity. 
Christianity is like, we're charging the gate. We're going forward. We have this king who's saving his people and we get to be a part of it. So what happens here is, is the vision that you're being called to bigger than you can accomplish on your own? That's it. Like, is it bigger? If it's not bigger and you can do everything on your own and you can fund it yourself and you can do it all yourself and all of these things, man, I don't know if that's from God. You know what? It's not from God. I'm just going to tell you. Because he calls you to things where you're going to need him. And that scares a lot of us. But not only that, we have to see that the will of God is always going to be confirmed by the word of God. So God's not going to call you to something that's contrary to this book. Okay, at Bedrock, we believe that this is the infallible, inerrant, truly inspired word of God. And so if what you're called to do is different than what it says in here, you're not called to do that. I'm just going to tell you. So if you're like, Pastor Blake, Pastor Blake, man, I don't know what God wants me to do in my life. This is what happened to me with college students all the time. Pastor Blake, what, like, what does God want me to do with my life? And I was like, I don't know. What are your choices? And if you came to me and said, well, the choice is to be a drug dealer or to plant a church, I'd be like, I think this is clear. <laughs> okay? It's just clear. I don't think God's like, you're the holiest drug dealer I've ever met, man. You're here to reach your people, right? Get them high, get them saved, right? Like, that's not the call. Right, that church would be like piping in smoke. It would be like, be something else. You guys would be out of here. Right, but here's what happens. Like, I, if you ask me that question, so it's like, hey, I think God's calling me to end my marriage. Why? Because I just don't like him anymore. Well, we better look here. Because I don't, where's that in second nothings? Okay, got it. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you want to see that the will of God for your life is confirmed in the Bible, but not only confirmed through the scriptures, we want to see it confirmed by other believers. We want to see other believers that you're in community with that know you say, hey, I see that in your life. And listen, you don't need to wait for everyone to come and prophesy over you, okay? No, 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 no. Do you feel the call? Start to talk to other Christians that you believe in and that you know and that you know will speak truth into your life and ask them, hey, I feel called to plant a church. Do you at all see that in my life? Do you see those things? And if they say, yeah, then start stepping forward in faith. Not only that, we want to see circumstances begin to come together that, that would confirm this, right? And not are, they're not always good circumstances, okay? Like I just told you, we got kicked out of the nest. It was a terrible circumstance. I had three kids. I was making $25,000 a year. Oh, Blake, it's so great, man. God's call is paved in, in gold, right? Oh, man, mine was fake gold, right? Like it, it tore off quick when you went from making almost $100,000 a year to making $25,000, $30,000 a year. Like it's crazy. What are you going to do? But man, everything that got around that circumstance was pointing me home. God was beginning to uproot us. God, all those opportunities that we had, although they weren't the right opportunity, they were loosening the soil for us to be uprooted for us to move. And so we saw the circumstances begin to point that way and it was confirmed in peace. Like, man, you can walk through hell and have peace if you have Jesus. And you're like, I don't know about that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's a paraphrased version. Though I'm walking through hell, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They guide me and they protect me. 
That's peace. That's the peace that Philippians talks about, the peace which surpasses understanding. So when you lose three quarters of your 60% of your income and you go, man, God's called me to plant a church and people are like, how are you going to do that? You're going to be okay? And you're like, yeah, somehow I'm okay. And they're like, I don't get that. And you're like, I don't either, but I got peace. Do you have peace? It's confirmed in prayer. And that's why for our next series, the next series about building for the future of your life and for Bedrock's life is on prayer. It's confirmed in prayer. It's confirmed in these moments. In fact, one of the things I'm going to challenge us all with in this prayer, uh, uh, the series on prayer is this. Do you allow God to have the first word? How many of us start and it's like a praying time. Dear God, I just want to let you know all these things. Right? And then you go into it and then you're like, okay, good. I'm glad I got that off my chest. And God's like, could I? I don't know how many of us walk into a CEO's office and go, okay, just stay seated. Let me just give you my demands. Here's a list. Great to see you. Got to go. Why do we treat prayer like that with the Lord? There we go. Have you given God the first word yet? Some of us are like, man, God's not speaking. And I'm like, you're not letting him. Like, slow down, calm down, and let it happen. And finally, you want to see it confirmed with provision. You want to see not just financial provision, because we didn't have that. We started Bedrock with 25 people and 2,500 bucks. Okay? There, but there was provision in people. There's provision in place. There's provision in, in vision. There's provision in encouragement. There's provision in all of these things, right? For a year, some of you don't know this, the year before Bedrock started, myself and Kelsey and our kids and sometimes Scott Hansen and Tim Kirshner and others, we would walk around a building downtown for an entire year every Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and pray that God would let us use that chapel. You know what happened a year after praying? We got the chapel. You know how much it costs? Zero dollars. I didn't need money. God just made the way. Some of us are waiting for our bank account to get full before we're obedient. No, no. You just got to walk as God provides. So what we see in Second Chronicles chapter 29 is Hezekiah gets real clear. He says, man, God's called me to do something. No, it's not that broad. God's called you to do something. Check. What does he say? God's called me as the king now of Israel to do one thing at the beginning, and it's to reopen the house of the Lord. It's to reopen this place where people can move forward in what's going on. And so Hezekiah does the next best thing. He plans it. He plans it. Some of us think like, and we make the will of God this thing where we just sit back and it happens. You got to participate you got to be part of what's going on. you got to be part of the, the journey. you gotta, you got to take a step. This isn't like you're a baby and God's just going to like feed you. It needs to be you need to get off milk and you need to get to meat and you need to start walking forward in your faith and participating because what you participate in, you can begin to take ownership of. And so some of us, man, in this room, we just sit back like this in church, in our small group. Oh, if we go... <clears throat> In our Bible reading, and we go, man, wonder why God's not doing anything. God's like, it's maybe time to stand up, right? It's time to move forward. And so what Hezekiah does is he begins to plan it. Verses 4 to 5, he says this, he brought in the priests and the Levites, the people who were supposed to build and consecrate the temple. He brings them in. He brought them into the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites. 
Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. So here's what goes on. If you're going to move forward in God's will for your life and you find it, what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to prepare yourself. And some of us like need to realize your quiet time isn't just for the day. Sometimes God builds treasure into your heart to prepare you for the future. Right? Like no one <clears throat> wants to be in a place like we all remember the hurricane. How many of us were going to get gas? How many of us were going to get water? How many of us were going to get everything the last minute? We weren't prepared. But man, we got time now. You can go get gas now. You can go get water now. And so we don't need to be like a, like a hurried people. We can be a prepared people. Prepare yourself. But not only that, some of us in the room, me included, when we started the church, <clears throat> we allowed our past to hold us back. Notice what Hezekiah says. He says, hey, you guys are going to need to get ready, and you're going to need to go get all the junk out of the temple. We're moving into the house of the Lord again, and so we got to get rid of all this stuff. And for so many of us in this room, that's where we get stuck. Because what happens for so many of us is we begin to look at like where we're headed, and we go, man, there's not room there. There's too much junk there. There's too much junk in my life. I can't carry this burden. I can't carry this call. I can't do this thing. And what Hezekiah says and what you and I need to do is to pull the junk out of our life by the power and the help of the Lord. Like it's already removed. It's been uprooted. You just got to carry it out. But here's the thing. When you're carrying your stuff out, you can't admire your junk. Anyone in here ever like moved and then you, you got to clean the house out, right? You're like, I didn't know we had this much stuff. <clears throat> or we do spring cleaning or whatever it is. Kelsey's really good at this. She's like, look at all this stuff we have. And I'm like, ah, okay, we didn't need it for a year. So we probably don't need it now. But you know what we do when we start going through that? We start looking at it, right? We're like, this snow globe is nice though. <clears throat> Man, remember when that happened? Oh, this is nice. And you know what? I'm not moving forward in what God has for us because I'm admiring my junk. And for a lot of us in this room, the reason you're not stepping forward into God's will and call for your life is because you're admiring your junk. And let me just tell you something. Your junk can be hurt too because you know what I had in my room? That, that we, when we moved in and we did all these things, when we came down here to plant a church, you know what I had in my closet from a kid? I had my cast from my broken arm from first grade. <laughs> and Kelsey's like, we got to throw that out. You don't even know those kids' names anymore. You don't know who that is. And I was like, no, 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 like, you don't understand. This really hurt. <laughs> this was important to me. And what I realized is what I was doing in my life is I was admiring my junk. I was admiring, I don't know what's going on, we're just going to have to work through this. Do you guys know? I don't know. And so what happens here, we're just going to get through it, here we go, is some of us are just admiring the mess. And we can't look forward to what God has for us because we're stuck in the past, in the hurt, in the shame. And some of us are like Uncle Rico and we're stuck in the glory of the past too. 
right? Like some of y'all know that. Like some of y'all are stuck. Like you remember Uncle Rico, he was sitting on the porch. He's like, I got to throw this football over that mountain. And I'm like, let it go, dude. Let it go. You're 45. If you play football with high schoolers now, you'd be dead. You'd die. Let it go. Let it go. Y'all are singing the song in your head right now. I know it. You say, man, where's an example of this? Philippians chapter three, verses 13 to 14. Listen to what Paul says. Paul had a lot of junk. He killed Christians. You go, man, I got a lot of junk. I don't know if you got that kind of junk. Philippians three thirteen, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. This is being salvation. But one thing I do, he says, one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul's saying? Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't got time for that because where I'm going is so much better. So I don't got time for that. That thing, that past, that hurt, those things died with Jesus on the cross. And so I don't got time for dead things. And I'm not admiring it anymore. I mean, even for Kelsey and I, like, when we got down here, I don't know if you guys know that, I got depressed. I got depressed. Like, I had to go to therapy. I had to go to a therapist because I was depressed. You know what was going on? Because, man, when you plant a church in your hometown where you didn't grow up as a Christian, there's a lot of junk in every corner of the city. There's a lot of memories. There's a lot of remember what happened there. Remember what we did there. Remember how that happened there. And you know what? Some of those faces showed up. And they were like ghosts looking back at me. And you know what? I needed to go do the work. And I needed the help appointed by God of a guide to help me remove some of this stuff. Because I couldn't move forward. I mean, Kelsey will tell you. Do you know what I got into when I was so depressed? Growing grass. That's it. That's all I did for like four or five months. In fact, my parents were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just got a bobcat skid steer and I just tore up the whole yard. And they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just ordered some grass too. I, I'm going to be planting grass. And that was it. Like I needed to just plant grass. That's all I could do. And then it died. And then I died inside. Right? <clears throat> I was like, this isn't my call. I don't see it confirmed in scripture. Other people are saying no. And the grass is definitely saying no. So if you come to my house, it's all dead. So anyway, because here's what's the truth. When you're going to walk in what God has for you, things are going to get hard. I'm just telling you, we call it predictable resistance. When you walk in what God has for you in your life, you have to expect resistance. If nobody's messing, messing with you, you, you're not doing anything right. The devil doesn't mess with people who are walking the wrong way. Why do that? Just let them keep walking. But man, if you reach resistance, just know you're heading the right way. And we're going to teach you next week about how when you recognize resistance, it can actually become encouragement. And so what happens here is when you are going to go through things that are hard in life, when things are tough, and when you go towards a God-sized vision for your life, let me just tell you something, like it's going to get tough. And there's only one way to get through tough, and that's you have to know your why. Not just what is God calling you to, why are you being called to it? Why? What is, what's on the line if I don't do this? What's on the line if I don't walk forward in faith in this moment? Second Chronicles 29 verses 6 to 9. Hezekiah lays out for himself and for the priests and the Levites. This is our why. 
Because here's what happens. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. Here's what he's saying. They shut the house of God. They turned away so much that they, they, they shut the house. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. He says, man, they, they got messed up. They started walking away from their God-given call in their life. And there's this, in verse 8, it says this, therefore, everyone say, therefore. That's always a word that we look for to go, oh, there's a, there's a cause and consequence here. So look at what he says. He says, therefore, the anger of the Lord had fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn. As you can see with your own eyes. He says, man, I don't even need to prove it to you. Just look around. And he says this, this is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. He says, you want to know why? Because the people are perishing and getting ruined because we shut the house of God. And so we have to open the house of God because if we don't, look at what happens. If we don't really open up this house and we don't really provide a place for people to worship and to do all of these things, man, they are perishing. They are in captivity. They are overwhelmed. They are all of these things. And some of you in here are like, man, but there's no one here to rule us right now. Yeah, but some of you are bowing down to kings in your life that are ruling you like pornography, like greed, like lust, like money. And you are bowing down to kings and they have taken you into captivity and they own you because you're not in the house of the Lord. And I don't mean just in church. I mean, you're not having church anywhere. Let me ask you, like, how's it going? Are your resolutions built around trying to devour those kings? I'm going to start eating better. I got to get rid of this. I'm going to start saving more. I got to get rid of that. I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to do all of these things. Fine, but you're trying to fight kings that own you. You need a king who will own them. And so what Hezekiah says is like, man, if we don't do this, the people, it's bad. These people are going to suffer. And so we have to do this. We have to get in here. You have to know your why or what will distract you. Man, when we got down here and we started to do all of these things and I had to go to therapy and I had to do all of these things, I had to go back to those four reasons why we started Bedrock. We wanted people to know the God who deeply loved them. Right? We, We wanted them to experience God in a new way. We wanted them to to be known and to know people, and we wanted them to be healed and to help heal others. And so, man, if we don't do this, if we don't say yes to what God's calling us to, what's going to happen? And yeah, God's going to accomplish his will any way that he wants. But man, I want to be a part of that. I need to be a part of that. This is God's given call on my life. And so we got to move forward. He says, look, man, if, if we don't do this, like there's no changing the line. If we, don't, if we don't interrupt this hurt, if we don't break this generational bondage, that's going to be our fate. And everyone's going like, yeah, but you know that there's Babylonians, right? You know that there's an there's a army waiting to devour us. You know that there's a people waiting to take us captive, right? And Hezekiah goes, yeah, I know. So we have to open up the house of the Lord. We have to, because if we don't, things are going to go bad. So here's the deal. You have to know your why, but then you also have to start with the right step. And anybody who's going to walk towards God's will in their life has to be obedient towards God first. 
You don't need to raise money. You don't need to buy the building. You don't need to create the team. You don't need to do anything else but to start with God. And here's exactly what happens. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord. He says, I'm going to tell God, like, we're going to be faithful. The God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. And here's, look at what one commentator says about this. I think this is so good. He says, Hezekiah puts things in the proper order. Because if you're going to follow God's will for your life, it has to start with God. It has to end with God. But here's what he says. When there's a financial crisis, the first thing we think about is money. Not God, money. When, when there is a communication crisis, our prime concern is to learn how to talk, the language of the modern generation. When there is a church attendance crisis, we make it our chief aim to get numbers up and people in the building. If Hezekiah had responded to a military threat, the Babylonians, in a military way, the Assyrians and the Babylonians would have understood what he's doing, army to army. There's army to army here. Like, I get what you're doing. But he says this. With, they would have put army against army with dire consequences for Judah. But instead, he and his people first looked up to God. What Hezekiah understood is, I know we've got captivity out here. And we've got captivity in our soul. And so if we're going to do this God's way, we got to start with God. So we have to reopen the house so people can start worshiping the Lord again. And let me just tell you something. What Hezekiah was called to do is not so different what we're called to do here. We are called to be God's people who are building a house for the people of God to worship. And that can go outside of these walls and can reach people and do all of these things. But we are in the business of opening the house of the Lord so that others may worship him. And let me just tell you something. Do you not look out at the people of the world and look at all the captivity that's going on? Do you not look at how lives are being ruined and what is happening around our world right now? Because, man, we got to get people back to the house. we got to get people back with the Lord. I mean, it's just, it's so apparent and so clear. And what I need people to hear in this room is some of us have stopped listening to this message because, man, we go, but God doesn't want me. Can I just tell you something? God doesn't create junk. God doesn't make junk. God made you. According to Jeremiah, he knit you in your mother's womb. He knew you when you had no form. In an eternity past, an eternity present. He made you and he knows you and God doesn't make junk. He made you and he made you for a purpose in this world. He made you to be part of this kingdom. He made you to be part of what is going on. He made you to participate. And you say, man, but I got all these chips and I got all these things. And man, there's a lot of hurt inside this vessel. And man, there's a lot of junk in here. And man, there's a lot of scars in this world. And then God goes, well, good. Because when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't make, make broken things fixed. I make broken things new. And some of us in this room don't believe that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And so what does the enemy do? You know what he's really good at? Rewind. Rewind. You know what God's really good at? Here's where we're going. Here's where we're headed. Here's what's going on. And so some of you need to figure out what track you're listening to.
But let me just tell you, if you're in this room and you've believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says that you are not a broken vessel that has been glued back together. The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ. And you say, well, I'm not qualified. Good, none of us are. But God brings qualification to those who are called. And all of us are called in here to participate in the kingdom of God. And if you're part of bedrock and this is your home church and this is where God has planted you, then you're called to the work of the house. I'm just telling you the truth. God does not have participatory Christians. No one gets a trophy in heaven for like, we're glad that you are around. Okay? Let's get in the game. Some of us are not experiencing the fullness of the Christian life and experiencing God because, man, you're not using your gifting and your talent in this world to help reach people. So you're not seeing heaven come down to earth in your life. And so you're like, man, this place is awful. And I'm not experiencing God. And I don't, this Bible, when I read about this, this seems so foreign to the life that I have. So I'm just going to sit here and wait till it happens. And he's like, nah, you got to plant some seeds. You got to water the seeds. You got to like till the soil. You got to do something to see the work. Everybody in here wants the fruit of the spirit. No one wants the work of it. Right? But if you don't plant a tree in the right soil in the right way and do the right thing, you're not going to get any fruit. You go, this tree's awful. And you're like, no, it's not awful. It was just planted in the wrong thing. Replant it and see what happens. So what happens here in this story is it's so simple. You want to seek and find God's will for your life. It's, it's, it's so hard but so simple, and it's this. Start. Just start. Just start pursuing and walking after God. Look at, look at what happens in the story. Hezekiah says, look, we're going to rebuild and we're going to reopen the house of the Lord because the people are perishing, so they need a place to worship. And if we don't build it, if we don't consecrate it, if we don't get in this and help, then the people are going to perish. So that's our why. And so we got to get to work. So he collected everyone that needed to be there. He planned it. And then what happens? Second Chronicles chapter 12 and then verse 15, it says this. Then the Levites set to work. There's no trick in the language there. There's no Hebrew word for like set means 40 years, right? It just means like immediately the Levites go, yeah, we're in. And they set to work immediately. And they gathered people together. Look at what verse 15 says. And when they had assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered following the word of the Lord. They just got to work. It wasn't like, well, how many buckets are we going to need? How, well, uh, what time is start time, guys? Eight? I'm more like a 1030 kind of person, right? Like they just were like, this is the call. This is the will. Let's get to work. How are we going to do it? I don't know, but I believe God's going to show us the way. Some of us, like the hardest part of the journey is the start. See, here's the deal. It's not only finding the will, but following the will. And a lot of us in the room, and me included at times in my life, had plenty of vision and faith for the end of the journey, but I did not have faith for the process of the journey. And some of us in here, you have faith for the end of the line, but you need faith for the process of it. When we were planting bedrock Kelsey and I were down here, you get all excited, you run, and then it's like, what's, well, so what happens now? And there was a night we were in bed, we were talking about the church, and I looked at Kelsey, and this is the first time either one of us had said these words. What if it doesn't work? That's all we had. 
was to plant bedrock. That's all we had. And she's like, what What do you mean, what if this doesn't work? And I was like, yeah, what if this doesn't work? And she's like, I I don't know. Like, what are we, and we had this like moment of panic. But then there was this piece that was just like, start, just start. You believing me for the end of the journey, are you believing me for the process of the journey? And some of us aren't believing God for the process, so we never start. And then you know what it becomes? A self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of us are so scared to fail that we'll never start. Well, guess what you just did? You just failed. It was just a little bit easier for you to swallow because it was on your terms. And so you just took a little defeat and put it down. But how many of us in this room, you don't need to raise your hands, have regret because we just never started? Just start. Seek the process. Seek what's going on and believe that God's provision will meet you every single step of the way. Every single step of the way, God will meet you where you are. And as I was thinking about this, I want to give you just a little bit of encouragement in this moment. You got to have faith for the journey. You got to have faith for the process, not just the end. And you say, man, I I don't know. I'm kind of scared. I don't know if this is going to work. Listen to these words from the book of Acts, chapter 5. Peter and Paul have been arrested. Things are not going great. And this guy named Gamaliel comes to this council, and they're going to kill them. And he says, don't kill them, because I'm going to tell you something we need to know. Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Do not kill these guys. Don't kill Peter. Do not kill them, because we're going to have a problem if we do. He says, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And he says, don't you try to stop what God is doing because you're not fighting against flesh and bone. You're fighting against the Lord Almighty and he hits harder than people do. And some of you need to hear that. Like, you need to remember when you're following the will of God for your life, the fight isn't with you, it's with him. And he will fight the battle for you. And he will rescue you and you only need to be still and let the Lord fight for you. Because here's the deal. If it's a God-sized vision, it's gonna take a God-sized amount of people. We are going to have to bring others along. It's gonna take others. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 31, then Hezekiah said, you have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. He's talking to the people. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings and all those whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. Look, man, you can open the temple, but the people got to praise. Everyone, if we're going to all worship God, we all got to be together. And some people were called to rebuild it and some people were called to bring the offering. Some people are called to to bring the worship. Some people are called to just be part of the house and all of these things because, man, we all have a part to play in this kingdom. We all have a part to play in this story. And see, here at Bedrock, we're not so different from Hezekiah and what he was called to do. We are called at base level to open the house of the Lord in our homes here around the city, and around this world so that people may truly worship the king of the universe. 